everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Glad to have you with us today. Uh, I am Pastor Chris. I know it seems kind of funny to talk about uh, Christmas and Operation Christmas Child uh, in September, although next Sunday is October. That's amazing, isn't it? This month has flown by. Uh, although I was at Costco yesterday and I saw a Christmas tree. So, uh, but really, um, the month of October here at Coastal Community Church is uh, Operation Christmas Child Month. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, a ministry here at Coastal called Love Can Help a Child. And there's no doubt that Operation Christmas Child is uh, the international uh, arm, if you will, of the Love Can Help a Child initiative. It's been something that we've been a part of here at Coastal for years and years and years. And uh, basically what we're going to be doing over the month of October is encouraging you. In fact, inside your bulletin today is a little insert that kind of explains a lot of the different things that uh, we are collecting and can use. So you can check that out to see what you can bring. And then, here it is, there you go, uh, lots of different little items, anything basically that'll fit into a shoebox, and uh, toys, and Hot Wheel cars, and uh, little plastic football, oh man, that was terrible, I didn't even get to anybody. Okay, okay, hold on, here we go, there we go, I know, it's like, I'm, I'm hitting people in the face, okay, oh, yay, Alan, okay, thanks, Alan. Um, anyway, um, and then we'll actually have a place in the Welcome Center where we'll be collecting uh, the toys, the gifts, the supplies. And then in November, uh, the reason October is packing month or, or collecting month is because in November, all that stuff has to get uh, packed up and shipped uh, overseas. And so we are, we'll have a packing party on Friday, November the 13th. And we just kind of transformed uh, this whole auditorium into a, uh, I guess, a, a elf workshop. And uh, it really is awesome. It's a great way to kick off uh, the holidays. But really what that video was trying to explain is that the shoebox really just open, opens doors in those communities. Uh, to continue uh, to disciple and witness to those children. And then that's where, like, the pastors and the churches in those areas follow up with the discipleship program. And so that, the gift of a shoebox and all the gifts inside uh, are just a great way to share Jesus. And then those uh, pastors and churches follow up with that. And so we would love, love, love for you to uh, participate in that. And if you have any questions, uh, see Teresa Spell. She kind of leads the charge here at our church uh, for Operation Christmas Child. Hey, last week was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, week one of Game On, for those of you that were here, uh, what a great kickoff, uh, so to speak, of uh, this new series, uh, Game On. Um, we had a lot of fun, uh, gave away a lot of stuff, did a lot of fun and exciting things. The tailgating, wow, that was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, that was one of those ideas that we kind of had uh, in staff meetings. Thought, well, we'll see how this goes. Oh, my goodness, you guys took it ran with it, went above and beyond, and we did vote. Now, this is, this is important. We actually did vote. We asked you guys to vote on the best overall tailgating experience. And we actually have a 45-quart uh, Yeti cooler to give away to the, uh, as the grand prize to the best overall tailgating experience. And it pains me to announce it. <laughs> but it's true. The Ohio State University won. Do we have that many people here from Ohio State, Ohio here in our church? Um, anyway, well, they won, so congratulations to Bruce and Rhonda and Patty. Uh, you guys did an awesome job. What was funny to me, though, this is what's funny, 
is that almost reflective uh, in real life, guess who came in second but still a little short? Michigan. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But uh, Clemson didn't lose yesterday, so that was good. Um, anyway, um, but uh, we, we, we did. It was just a blast last week, and uh, thank you for coming and participating in it. Now, if you were here last week, I hope uh, what was loud and clear to you was the message, and that is that it's not game over, it's what? It's game on. And what that means is, is that if you are not dead, God is not done with you. Uh, he is not finished with you. Our loving Heavenly Father has a great plan for your life. Regardless of your past, regardless of your circumstances, regardless even of the choices that you have made, our God loves you. And he has a plan for your life. It is game on. Well, today I want to challenge you uh, to come down out of the stands and to get dirty and to get on the playing field, to join our team. Uh, I want to talk with you today, in fact, about what it, what it takes to build a great team. Uh, the church was never intended to be a spectator sport. God actually designed it in such a way that everyone was meant to be on the team. God doesn't have a second string. Uh, God doesn't have any bench warmers. Aren't you glad about that? Um, but everybody's in the game. Everybody plays and Everybody is needed. Raise your hand. Some of you, how many of you have ever been on a great team? Like how about a, a, a championship team? Anybody been on a, a state championship team in some way? Okay, I see some hands. Earlier we, we heard some uh, soccer championship teams and basketball and baseball. Uh, that's awesome. Um, you know, some of you think, though, that you're not needed. You know, some of you actually believe that, well, Jesus only calls, you know, the superstars to be on the team. And for some of you, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, getting in the game and joining the team. Some of you, it's like your mind races back and you're still at recess in the fifth grade, okay? Where, where they, uh, remember, remember recess in the fifth grade where they chose sides, picked up sides to, you know, whether it's to play kickball or to play softball. And uh, for some of you, if you're an athlete, man, that, nothing better than recess in the fifth grade, right? You know, if you, if you enjoyed sports, but if you weren't quite, if you weren't very athletic or didn't enjoy sports, nothing could be more horrifying than, than PE in the fifth grade or, uh, you know, recess. Because nobody wants to be what? Picked last. I mean, nobody wants to be the last man, the last girl standing, and then they're actually arguing over who gets stuck with you, right? Nobody wants that situation. Uh, well, it's our goal at Coastal for you to understand that everybody is in the game. Everybody is on the team, and everybody is needed. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 with me. It says this, Then make me truly happy, by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another. And then listen to this. Working together with one heart and purpose. I think that's actually a great description um, of a great team. Working together with one heart and one purpose. That should be our mindset here at Coastal. Our church, our team. Working together, loving one another with one heart and one purpose. Now, I'm sure some of you probably have some very fond memories of being uh, on some sort of team. 
And it didn't have to be a, a sports team. You know, some of you maybe were in a, in a choir or a sorority or a fraternity, or you were ch- a cheerleading team or, you know, some sort of, of group or organization. Maybe you were in the service and you felt the camaraderie of being on a great, great team. So today I want us to talk about, well, what, what, what's necessary? What does it take to build a great team? And I'm, I'm really excited about today's message because this is a message that definitely can be applied to all areas of life in a lot of different ways. Um, if you've got a group of individuals and you want to turn that group into a great team working together, loving and serving one another with one heart and one purpose, you need to do the four things I'm going to talk about today. Um, if you want to create a team where you work in your workplace, a great team, working together with one heart and one purpose, you need to do these four things. If you want to take your family to a whole nother level and you want to become a a great team and draw everybody closer together, you need to do these four things. And if we're going to build a great church, if we're going to be a great team here at Coastal, if we are going to defeat a common enemy and accomplish uh, great things for a greater good and change the world, These four things are necessary. So let's talk about it. Number one, a great team takes trust. Trust. Trust is the glue that binds people together. You do not have a great team without trust. Without trust, there is no teamwork. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Listen to this. Many people claim to be loyal, but it's hard to find a trustworthy person. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, think about it. That was written thousands of years ago, and yet it is so true. It is tough to find people you can trust. Now, for a moment, I want you to think about all the great uh, sports movies that you can remember, all the great sports movies and films. Typically, the whole first half of any great uh, sports movie is about the team learning that they can what? trust each other. You know, because in the beginning, they're kind of suspicious. You know, whether or not that person or this person or the other one, you know, has some sort of personal agenda. Are they out for themselves or are they really out for the greater good for the team? Now, here's my question for you today. I want you to think about all the different teams that you're on in your workplace, at your home. Can you be trusted? Are you trustworthy? Now, If you want people to learn to trust you, three things are necessary. Number one, you gain trust by being consistent. Being consistent. People do not like people who are always jumping around from one thing to another. I mean, think about that in the workplace. People don't like to work with people who are unpredictable. They want people who can be counted on, who are dependable. The more consistent you are, the more people are going to trust you. The more that you know how to run that route and be at that spot at the right time, the more you can be depended on, the more trust you have. That's true in the workplace. That's true in sports. It's also true uh, in, in relationships, in marriage, especially in parenting. Think about how important consistency is. My wife and I were just talking about this last night, especially in discipline. Man, your kids need consistency. They need consistency. 
Luke 16.10, listen to this. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Now, the problem with that, though, is that everybody likes to start with the big thing. The, the, the spectacular thing, the showy thing. You know, we want to serve God in big, big ways. Nobody wants to do the small thing, the little thing. And God here says, listen, I don't care about the size of what you do. I care about the heart behind it. I want to know, are you consistent? Can you be trusted? Because it's in the little things in life that you prove your character. Husbands, are you consistent? Can you be trusted with the little things? You know, it's it's the stuff that nobody can see, the stuff when nobody is looking. And God's saying, hey, if you are faithful in the little responsibilities and the small things, I'll give you greater ones. You'll do greater things. And so you learn to be consistent, even in the inconveniences of life. That's where character is developed. So we gain trust by being consistent Uh, Number two, by staying close, by staying close. Proverbs 17, 17, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Stick together. I like that. You got to be close. Now, typically you don't trust people you don't know, do you? So the only way to gain trust in people and have people gain trust in you is you got to get to know them. Now, distance creates distrust. And so you've got to spend time together. Notice it says here, through all kinds of weather and in all kinds of trouble. Now, that takes time, though. Trust takes time. It takes time for, uh, to build trust in you and for you to build trust in other people. That's why great teams typically have been together for a while. That's why even today, you know, especially like in football, before the season begins, they'll try to send the whole team out to what? Where do they go over the summer? To camp, right? Because they put, they put people in that, that pressure cooker so they can try to go through a lot of different things in a very quick period of time because they know that that builds trust. Now, Because it it takes time to build trust. But let me ask you, can you lose trust quickly? Absolutely. I mean, you could lose trust in a second, in an instant. But usually it takes months or years to develop trust. Because you've got to learn to see people in all different kinds of situations. It's not something that can grow quickly. You build it slowly. That's also true in relationships. That's why that, that, that dating process is important. Because it takes time to, to see people in all different kinds of situations. And so when you see, when you spend time with people, you start to learn to love them. You learn to trust them. And as you start to trust them, you begin to open up and you begin to share and you begin to share truth. You begin to share things that you would never share otherwise because trust produces truth and deeper fellowship. But it takes time. That's why life groups are so important. That's why it's so important that that you you are putting yourself in an environment where you can do life with another group of people. So, uh, it takes time to build trust. Number three, you also build trust by keeping confidences. Keeping confidences. Proverbs 11.3, listen to this. A gossip goes around revealing secrets, but those who are trustworthy 
can what? Keep a confidence. How many of you got a story or two about that one you could share? Come on up. No. Um, no, we all do, right? We've all been a part of a team or a group or a workplace, even a family or a church that has been divided and destroyed because of gossip. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, I just can't help it that people come to me with information. You know, what am I going to do? I need to pray for them, you know. Listen, do, do you know why people keep coming to you with gossip? Because you keep listening to it. Try this one. Hey, you got a problem with so-and-so? Go talk to them. If you're not willing to do it, I'll go with you, and you can talk with them right now. Let's call them up. Guess what? They won't come back to you with information. They won't. But let me share something with you. Now, this is a, a deep, profound truth you need to understand. If someone is talking to you about other people, they are also talking to other people about whom? You. In fact, this is so important that to be a part of our team here at Coastal, uh, we bring this up in our membership class. We ask people to make a mutual commitment to refuse to do this, to refuse to gossip. So what is gossip? Gossip is talking about a person or a situation without that person present when you or they are not a part of the problem or the solution. You're just talking about it. So if you want to build trust, you got to put it in the vault. Remember the Seinfeld episode? Put it in the vault and lock away the key. If you want to be a part of a great team, you've got to learn to keep confidences. Now, the second key to building a great team, T is for trust. The letter E is for empathy. Empathy. 1 Peter 3.8, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Now, you're never going to have that first part, harmony, without the second part. You're never going to have harmony with your family, with your friends, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with the people that you work with until you have that second part. Sympathy, sympathetic, empathy. Now we need that for a couple of reasons. First of all, everybody sitting in this room today, you all have this deep need in your heart to be understood. You all want people in your life who will say, hey, man, I get you. I know where you're coming from. I understand. We all have that deep need to be understood. And secondly, we all have a deep need for our feelings and opinions, our perspective on things to be, to be validated. We all, we all need those people in our lives who will say, hey, you're not a whack job, <laughs> okay? You know, I get you. You know, you're, you're not weird. I've been there. You're okay. You're not going crazy. We, we need people like that in our lives. Somebody who, who validates or at least understands the frustrations, the feelings, the experiences in life that we've been through, that they, they get you. That's what empathy does. Now, the problem with, with, with gaining that on a team and getting that, experiencing that in a church, in a workplace, in a family, is that there's really only one way that it's ever going to happen, and it's a huge problem in our culture today. If you want to become a more understanding person, let me give you the key. Here it is. Write this down. Slow down. Slow down. Speed 
destroys empathy because you just, you miss the details. You might want to write that down. Speed destroys empathy because you miss the details. Now, let me, let me give you a little illustration. Um, this past May, uh, I took a road trip with my daughter uh, out to Los Angeles, to California. And we loaded up all of her earthly possessions in a uh, small, small, small Toyota Scion. And we drove from Charleston uh, to Los Angeles. Now, let's pretend that instead of driving from Charleston to Los Angeles, we decided that we were going to take uh, an airplane. We're going to take a, a, a plane trip from Charleston to Los Angeles. Now, how many of the details of our country would we have noticed or seen? Now, really, honestly, we think about it, not a lot. I mean, we would have seen some things there here in Charleston. Uh, we would have, you know, as we're, you know, ascending and, and maybe coming into certain, you know, stops across the country, we would have seen a few things. Maybe the pilot would have pointed out, you know, if you'll look to your right, you'll see, you know, this or that, this mountain range or, you know, this river or something. And then, of course, as we're landing and coming in to the city, we, we would have missed a lot of the details because speed... You know, the faster you move, the more details you miss. So let's say we decided instead of a plane ride, we decided to take Amtrak. And we're just going to take a, 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 you know, um, a bus ride, not a bus ride, a train ride across the country. Now, again, we would have seen more of the details, uh, surely a lot more than what we would have noticed uh, in, a, in a plane. But we, instead, we took a car ride. We basically ate our way across the country, and it was awesome. Saw a lot of steakhouses, a lot of barbecue, but um, no, so no, we, did, we saw a lot of great things. We visited the Grand Canyon, and uh, we went to where uh, Breaking Bad was filmed. That was awesome. We saw um, a lot of great things. Um, but let's, decide, let's say that we decided to walk across country. How much of the details would we have seen? Obviously, a lot more. The, the point, again, is the faster you move through life, the more details you miss. Now, what's scary about that, though? Because we're moving mighty fast right now, aren't we? I mean, the culture in which we live, everything is going so fast. And here's another term for you. As a result of that, you know what we're doing? We are relationally skimming. Just relationally skimming. That is, we're just missing so many of the details about the people that we say we care the most about. Your friends. Your family, your children, your spouse. And we're going so fast that we don't see things. And so we can't understand people. We can't offer sympathy and empathy. You've got to slow down. James 1.19, be quick to what? To listen, but be slow to speak. That's, that's great, great advice. That's why date night's so important. You've got to take those moments in life, in a relationship, with your husband or your wife where you're slowing down and you're reconnecting. Family time. Here's the third key. You want to build a great team? The letter A, accommodation. Accommodation. Now, what does accommodation mean? When you make accommodations for somebody, what are you getting them typically? You're getting them a room. You give them space. You make room for them. And so... If we are going to be a part of a great team, if we're going to build a great team, we've got to make room for each other. We've we got we to give one another space. Now, why? Well, because we're all so different. We've got to accommodate our differences. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Pursue faith and love and peace 
and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Pursue peace. Enjoy the companionship. I like one translation that says, be easy to get along with. Now let me ask you a question. Are you easy to get along with? Okay, stop hitting somebody next to you. Okay, you, are you, in fact, let me ask you this. Would the people who are closest to you, oh, how about this one? Would the people who work with you say you are easy to get along with? That's a test. Romans 12, 18. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Now, notice it says, do your part. Now, that obviously means that there are two parts in a relationship. You've got to do your part, and everybody else has got to do their part. And so, be responsible for you. Stop being so cranky. Stop being critical all the time. You know, why not your go-to be, be grace instead of judgment? Um, stop being paranoid. Listen, you do your part to get along with everybody as much as possible. Aren't you glad that God added that, that last phrase? I think even God realizes that, yes, there are some people who are unpleasable, right? No matter how nice you treat them, no matter how accommodating you try to be, they are just unpleasable. So do your part as much as it depends on you. You know, we talk about this a lot, uh, for example, in our membership class, where I try to make the point that, you know what, the reality is we're all different. You know, we have different personalities and, and uh, different, you know, gifts and skills and abilities and sense of humor or no sense of humor, and we've got to learn to accommodate one another. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you're going to be best buddies with everybody, but it does mean that we've got to love one another. In fact, let me give you a couple of ways that we need to accommodate each other. One is each other's personalities. In fact, in Romans it says we have different gifts according to the grace that's given to us. Paul recognized that we're a part of a body, but we're each different. You know, we have different personalities, different abilities, different gifts. You know, isn't it, raise your hand this morning if you have more than, than one, one child. More than what you've got, two or more children. Isn't it amazing? How different they are. I mean, like, you know, the same DNA, right? You know, the same parents, the same environment, and yet there's, sometimes there's difference night and day. You know, why is that? Why? You know, well, by the way, a, a wise parent, though, makes accommodation for that. And they raise those, ch those children according to their differences. Now, think about it for a second. Why would God do that? Why would God make us all different? Well, God actually, I think, wants to use your differences on a team, in a family, in a church to make a difference. He uses your differences to make a difference. I can't change the world all by myself, but together we can. Working together, using our differences and our abilities and our personalities, God can use that together to change the world. And that's a, that's a beautiful picture of the greatest team of all time, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now all of you together are Christ's body. And each one of you, each one of you is a, is a separate and necessary part of it. He, we're all different so that we can make a difference. Now, another thing that we need to accommodate is each other's faults. None of us are perfect. 
We all have faults. Ephesians 4.2 says, be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, here's the deal. You know, you, you get involved on a new team, you know, a new workplace, maybe even a new church or a new relationship. And in the beginning you think, wow, this is perfect. She is perfect. This is great. And then it doesn't take too long to figure out she's crazy. <laughs> you know, these people are nutty. You know, what have I done? Who do I work with? Now, what do you do when you finally figure that out? Well, you've got some options. You can fake it. You can just start pretending that we're all perfect, honey, and you put a smile on. But there's a lot of stress in maintaining that. Or you can do this. I'm getting off this team. <laughs> um, I'm going to go find a perfect team. I'm going to go find a perfect relationship, a perfect church. But then there's only one problem with that. What is that? There's no such thing. There's no such thing. You can accept it. You can say, you know what? None of us are perfect. Man, there's a lot of relief in that, by the way. I mean, talk about a lessening of stress in your life. When you accept the fact that in your workplace, they are not perfect and you're not either. You know, the, 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 the stress that that relieves in, in a church when you recognize that nobody's perfect. We're just forgiven sinners. Now, the fourth thing that makes a great team is mission. Teams are not created just to exist for themselves. They have a purpose, a cause. Great teams, great workplace environments, great families. It's as though there is this cause, this mission greater than themselves. They're trying to accomplish something. Back to Philippians 2.2 where we started. Then make me truly happy by, listen to this again, agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one heart and what? Purpose. One heart and one purpose. At Coastal, we don't just go to church, we what? We are the church. And we have a purpose. We have a mission. We are here to change the world one life at a time. We exist to share and experience life. That's it. Because here at Coastal, we believe that Jesus is life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We exist to, uh, to share with everyone the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want them to experience that abundant and complete life only found in Christ. In fact, Jesus said, I have come that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. We believe Jesus is the hope of the world. And so our job is to point people to him. And we will do anything. Anything short of sin to accomplish that purpose. That is the purpose that binds us together. You know, a great illustration of that is uh, the giant redwoods in California. Anybody here uh, been to the giant redwoods, driven through the giant redwoods? I've never been there, but I've seen lots and lots of pictures. 
And uh, they're, they're some of the largest living things on the planet. They're enormous. They grow hundreds and hundreds of feet tall. They're just gigantic. And I've seen pictures of, you know, the trunks, the base, so big, so wide that they dig out the middle and you see cars driving through them. Now, what most people don't know, though, is that the, the roots of, of redwoods comparatively to, to their great size uh, and height are incredibly shallow. Individually, listen to this, individually, they would fall over in a storm. That they would fall over into wind or a fire very, very easily. So, how do they stand standing strong? They grow in groups. They actually intertwine their roots together in such a way that they end up holding each other up. And really, if, if you were to see it as a whole, it's a beautiful picture of teamwork, of community, of fellowship, of what I think God wants the church to be. You know, we are, in a way, a network of different individuals who need one another, who are all on the team together, who hold each other up. Now, you're going to have storms in your life. You know, you're either coming out of a storm, in a storm, or, or headed into one. You know, financial storms, health storms, relational storms. You're going to have all kinds of problems, quite frankly, that, that have the ability just to knock you flat on your rear end. And so you need a team of people who will walk with you through life. That's what the church is. That's what our life groups are all about. Notice this next verse. The Bible says, live in a manner worthy of the good news about Jesus as citizens of heaven. Then, listen to this. Whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are, and I love this last part, I will know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the good news. Man, that's, that's you and me. That's the church. When you hear me talk about locking arms and marching forward side by side, that's this. You know, when, when, I, when I look around at the world today, and I see all of the problems in the world. I mean, the, the problems just seem like they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. In fact, what's frustrating is that even in this you know, political season that we're in right now, it doesn't even seem like people are really addressing these problems like poverty and disease and illiteracy and education and crime. It is overwhelming. It's so easy to get discouraged. And you look and you think to yourself, man, these problems are just too big. And, and, and you get discouraged. And, and I think we're even tempted to shake our fist at God and say, God, do something. Why aren't you doing something about this? And I think God is looking at the church going, I'm asking the same question. Why don't you do something about this? You see, the church is our opportunity to do something. Together, we are unstoppable. Listen, we need you. We don't need you just to fill a spot or because people are getting tired and, and, uh, and uh, Pastor Chris has got some jobs to fill. No, 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 no. We need you because that's where fulfillment comes from. That's where joy comes from. We need you because we're on mission. We need you because we want to be unstoppable. We want to address the problems that this world is facing. He says together, and listen, I believe 
that with my whole heart, that as we continue to build a church where people develop trust with one another. And they, they find empathy and understanding. And where their gifts and, and differences are accommodated and valued. And they have a common, clear purpose and mission. That with God's help, nothing is impossible. And we'll change the world. One life at a time. Whether it's, you know, bedding, twin beds for uh, some kids sleeping on the floor in, in, in our community, or it's a or it's a shoebox for a little boy or a little girl in some third world country. We will change the world one life on a, at a time. You know, when I asked you earlier if any of you had ever been on a, a championship team, think about that for a second. How did it feel, you know, to finally like to win it all? Right? I mean, whether it was Little League or Rec League or high school, you know, you were the state champion. You were the champion of, of that season. Um, I mean, it, it probably made all the, uh, all the practice worth it, right? All the early mornings or late nights and the hard work, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the sweat. I mean, all of it seemed worth it. Now, Here's the simple but profound truth I want to share with you today as we close. And I want this just to sink in. If you'll let it, just let it take a deep root in your heart. And if you will, man, it'll absolutely change and transform your life. Here it is. You ready for this? You ready? We win. We win it all. You see, I'm asking you to, to get on, to join the team, to get in the game, to join the team, and you know what? We win it all. We are the champions. Pop the champagne, cue the music, do your little victory dance, you know, whatever it is, right? I mean, throw down the football. We win. I mean, all the struggle, all the pain, all the difficulty. He says, our citizenship isn't here. We're passing through. He says, lock arms with one another. March forward because at the end of it all, we win. Listen to these verses. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world. How? By trusting Christ to give the victory. And the ones who win this battle against the world are the ones who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God. He gives us the what? The victory. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, get in the game. We win. We win. Don't you want to be on the winning team? Wouldn't it be awesome to know that going in on the front side, that, you know, at the end of the day, hey, where are you going now? Man, we're going to Disney World. You know what? But you know what? Heaven will make Disney World look like south of the border in a, in a parking lot, you know, at Bilo. Okay? Come on. We win. How do we win? By trusting. It says this. Man, it says right here. By trusting in Jesus. By believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Join our team. Bow, bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the church, the greatest team in the history of the world. You know, the church has its imperfections. There, there are people here I know who have been hurt and damaged by 
people who have called themselves followers of Jesus and they've walked away from the church, God, I pray they'd come home. I pray they'd get back in the game. We do win. They are needed. There are no second stringers, no bench warmers. Everybody's needed. Everybody's important. And we win. And Father, we win by trusting in Jesus, by believing that he is your son, by believing that he came to this earth, he lived a perfect life, he went to the cross, he was killed, put in a grave, three days later he rose from the dead, witnessed by hundreds of people, he is alive. Listen, today, put your trust in Jesus, believe in him. You know, there's no other way you're going to get to heaven. There's no other way you're going to win. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's by faith in Jesus. And then as he makes you brand new, as he forgives your sin, the only response, the only true response is thanksgiving. It's responding by, by trying to, to live a life worthy of, of that calling. And and the amazing thing is we talked about this last week. He gives us the will and desire and the power to even do that. What he begins, he finishes. So cry out to God today. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. And join this team. Join this coastal team. You're needed here. Some of you have been coming and you've been enjoying and, and laughing and having fun and And it's been meaningful. It's been nice. You know what? It's time to get involved. It's time to make this family your family. It's time to get out of the stands and, and, uh, and, you know, raise your hand to be counted among those who call this place their home. Because we're on a mission here. And we're changing this world one life at a time through the power and and the glory of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, this morning.